Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning. Welcome, everyone. Let me give you all a little a little glimpse of what we were dealing with last night in our freezing cold temperature. Yeah, it was down to 60, if not 59. We're down into the upper 50s now. It is super cold. Super cold. We got our sweaters on. So keep that in mind. So thank you guys for being with us last night, those who came to church. It's always fun to see good friends. We had some friends in on the ship yesterday. It was so much fun to see them as well. And fellowship and some of you going home today. Going to miss you guys. But as always, come back whenever you can. We are always here and delighted to see you. So we're going to look at this day in history and move over there and see what we got there. Mm, Famous quote from Charles Brenner. They may forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. That's very true. The, today is the feast day of St. Apolliana, the patron saint of dentists. I thought this was kind of interesting. And people with toothaches. After having her teeth beaten out for refusing to renounce her faith, she leapt into her death. She leapt to her death in a fire. <laughs> That's, I mean, awesome faith, um, but... I, I don't know how that works. How do you make us? This is someone we we respect, but I feel bad for her. She got her. How do they know she got her teeth beaten out before she leapt in the fire? Yeah. Sometimes you wonder if these stories are are real, just made up. Well, the first narcotics prohibition. I didn't tell you what date that was. No, there's no date. It's just a just common feast, I guess, in the Catholic Church. First narcotics prohibition in 1909 on the state. The importation of smoking opium is banned. The Opium Exclusion 1909 did not ban the use of opium, only the smoking and importation of it. Chinese immigrants were the primary smokers of opium, while opium was a common medicine used by Americans at the time. Yeah, I bet. Um, Yeah, now that once it became illegal, it was taken over by the criminal cartels. And another one, Abraham Lincoln is uh, placed on the $5 bill. On 1864, was the day he took his picture for it. So the picture he took this day. And here's a very interesting one. I was trying to do a little research on this myself. The biblical solar eclipse, February 9th, 784 B.C. So again, these people that write these things don't have any time, don't have much scholarly background in the Bible. But according to the Bible, Amos 8, 9, and 10... It shall come to pass that in that day, saith the Lord Jehovah, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day. Some scholars, says, believe that the date of this event corresponds with the solar eclipse of February 9th, 784, which would have appeared as a solar eclipse at 1 p.m. in Jerusalem. Other scholars believe it corresponds to solar eclipse in 763. Well, there is long, there is short and long prophecy. 
and it's possible. I'd never seen this before, so I went and looked it back in Amos, and it's it, there's a possibility that it could apply in the near prophetic. Certainly, Amos talks about the far prophetic too, the day of the Lord, and thus, and so it would. I've always assumed that his um, his reference was to the prophetic distance when the at the uh, during the tribulation. But it's an interesting uh, interesting thought. I have to look into that a little bit more. And evolution banned in Atlanta on this day, 1926. The teaching of Darwinian theory of evolution in public schools is banned by Atlanta Board of Education. And people look at that now and think, what a horrible thing. And guess what's banned in school now? Uh-huh. And you can't have it both ways. You can't, you can't cry unfair, unfair, and then do exactly the same thing. Uh, well... That's a sad day. That was, uh, I mean, it's a sad day when that was overturned. Okay, on to the dad jokes this morning as we get ready to get going. All right, I'm into the, the new dad joke page. See where we can land on this one. All right, here we are. What do polar bears eat for breakfast? Well, of course, frosted flakes. <laughs> Uh, this one's just dumb, but because we're wearing it, I have to read it. Thomas says to John, you know, it's a good thing we aren't Mexicans. John puzzled, but why? He says, because we don't speak a word of Spanish. <laughs> they are dad jokes. All right, we better do it. One more. What tea is not a good idea to drink? Tea in tea. <laughs> Okay, with that, we will look over into the Word. So, find your Bibles. We are in Exodus 7 and 8 today. So, let's see if we can get there. And you know what? Looks like my telegram. Did it ever get started? I don't know. It doesn't look like it. Sorry, telegram people. Let's see if you ever got... Yeah, you did get going. Okay, we're all right. Looks like it got started anyway. All right, Exodus 7. Father God, thank you for this morning. And we do ask you to guide us in our reading so we can understand these things. And we celebrate you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus 7. I will stretch out my hand. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I will make you as God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall speak to Pharaoh that he let the sons of Israel go out of his hand. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that I may multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. When Pharaoh does not listen to you, then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring out my hosts, my people, the sons of Israel, from the land of Egypt by great judgments. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the sons of Israel from their midst. So Moses and Aaron did it, as the Lord commanded them, thus they did. Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. Verse 8, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Work a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, 
that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh, and thus they did just as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron threw his staff down before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, and they also, the magicians of Egypt, did the same with their secret arts. For each one threw down his staff, and they turned into serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Yet Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. Verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water. Station yourself to meet him on the bank of the Nile, and you shall take in your hand the staff that was turned into a serpent. And you shall say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But behold, you have not listened until now. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the water that is in the Nile with the staff of my hand, and it will be turned into blood. The fish that are in the Nile will die, and the Nile will become foul, and the Egyptians will find difficulty in drinking water from the Nile. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the rivers, over their streams, and over their pools, and over their reservoirs of water, that they may become blood. And there will be blood throughout the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. So Moses and Aaron did even as the Lord had commanded. And he lifted up the staff and struck the water that was in the Nile in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And all the water that was in the Nile was turned to blood. The fish that were in the Nile died and the Nile became foul so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. And the blood was through all the land of Egypt. But the magicians of Egypt did the same with their secret arts, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. Then Pharaoh turned and went into his house with no concern for this. So all the Egyptians dug around the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. Seven days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. Chapter 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite your whole territory with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs, which will come up and go into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed and into your houses of your servants, and, of, and on your people, and into your ovens, and into your kneading bowls. So the frogs will come up on you, and your people, and all your servants. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the streams, and over the pools, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did the same with their secret arts, making frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he remove the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses said to Pharaoh, The honor is yours to tell me when shall I entreat for you 
for your servants and for your people that the frogs may be destroyed from you and from your houses that they may be left only in the Nile. Then he said, tomorrow. So he said, maybe according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs will depart from you and your houses and your servants and your people, and they will be left only in the Nile. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord concerning the frogs, which he had inflicted upon Pharaoh, and the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses and the courts and the fields, and they piled them up in heaps, and the land became foul. And when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not listen to him as the Lord had said. Verse 16, the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth that it may become gnats through all the land of Egypt. They did so, and Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats through all the land, and the magicians tried their secret arts to bring forth the gnats, but they could not. So they were gnats on men and on beasts. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Now the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh, as he comes out to the water, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you do not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you, and on your servants, and on your people, and into your houses, and the houses of the Egyptians will be full of swarms of fly, and also the ground on which they dwell. But on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people are living, so that no swarms of flies will be there, in order that you may know that I, the Lord, am in the midst of the land. I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign will occur. Then the Lord did so, and there came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and the house of his servants, and the land was laid waste because of the swarms of flies in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God within the land. But Moses said, It is not right to do so, for we will sacrifice to the Lord our God what is an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice what is an abomination to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not then stone us? We must go three days, journey into the wilderness, and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commands us. Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far away. Make supplication for me. Then Moses said, Behold, I am going out from you, and I shall make supplication to the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from the pe- and from his people tomorrow. Only do not let Pharaoh deal deceitfully again in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and made supplication to the Lord. The Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people, and not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. So the beginning of the plagues and the most, I don't know, probably not right to say the most important thing, but one of the very important things to remember and recognize as we're dealing with this is that 
Anytime God is dealing with a nation and leadership and kings in the Bible, he is always trying to get them to realize that the greater battle that is being fought is on the spiritual realm, uh, not the physical. He's using Moses to come up against him politically, but these plagues are all corresponding to the gods that the Egyptians that they serve. So everyone is him making a proclamation to these Egyptians that he is Lord over all the land and over all, he has all power over all their gods. So they look to the Nile, of course, as the source of creation. They believe that their sun god and, oh, they have all these, it just goes on and on. I could, I can't even remember, um, set and, uh, and the Nile gods and the way that creation was, came about to the earth in their own theology, I should say, or I should say demonology, how they believed that the, that man came from the Nile, bottom line. And therefore, Pharaoh would go out as the child of the gods. He was believed to be divine himself, coming out from the gods that had sexual relationships and then had him, had then the pharaohs become their representative, their pope, so to speak, on the earth. And all life stems from the Nile and from Pharaoh. And so now what the, what God does is he says, oh, you think all life comes from the Nile and the Nile controls everything and you have control over everything and your power comes from the Nile? Well, let's just turn the Nile into blood and everything will die. And so we we see this and becomes foul and becomes so there's no power in, in that. And of course they believe they had that was the frog god and the, and the gnats. By the way, there are good theologians who believe those gnats were mosquitoes, not gnats. They say that the word is the same word, and if that's true, that brings a whole whole new level of whoa of yeah misery to that whole plague if they were really um, mosquitoes, not gnats, or the biting gnats, you know, like we have here. The ones a little those are terrible. So anyway. There were, these were horrible plagues, but they were against the gods of Egypt. And so God is, is dealing with each one of them. And Pharaoh was supposed to have communion and control or power from these gods. And so he's breaking all that down in the eyes of the Egyptians. And just as importantly, the, the um, Israelis, the Hebrews at this point, the Hebrew people had been in there for 400 years, so they themselves were looking to these gods. They were becoming pagan idolaters, and so they needed to see the distinction, hence the separation. I'm not going to put all of these all of these um, plagues on Goshen over here at this time, but over here I am, so the people start seeing, no, no, Yahweh, is just, he is the God, the only God, the distinct of all other gods. So it was good for them to be seeing this as well. So now Matthew 24, 25. We just read 24 yesterday. Parable of the ten virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven will be compared to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were prudent. And when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil in the flasks with their lamps. Now when the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, there was a shout, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. 
Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps have gone out. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with the bridegroom to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later, the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. Verse 14, the parable of the talents. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, and each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately the one who received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But the one who received one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrust five to me. See, I have gained five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received two talents came and said to him, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I've gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gather where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid, and I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But the master answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy slave, you know that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does not have will be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness, into that place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, that's a harsh parable, and it's a, and it's a real parable. Jesus said it, and it corresponds to the ten virgins, the overriding theme of the slaves there is what's being entrusted to them. God is entrusting them with these talents. Now you can equate that, I believe, to God gifting us the gift of salvation through the Holy Spirit by our coming to him and using the gifts that he's given us in this world supernaturally the to reach out and help people. We are we are his servants and we are supposed to occupy till he comes and we are supposed to um go out into the harvest field and to um, go out and try and bring more into the kingdom and 
and you can invest that or do that in many different aspects. And there were those that were given various talents, not talent from your abilities, but these gifting of different gifts of the Lord, and were to use them for him and use them for his kingdom. And he expects us to be proactive and to think about him coming back and wanting to see fruit and more fruit. So go out and gather in the harvest so that he can then bring, because it is those that we gather in are coming out of the outer, they're, they're being saved from the outer darkness. They are being um, saved from to utter and horrible eternity and misery in hell. So he expects us to be thinking about his kingdom, be thinking about what, is, what he wants to see accomplished. And therefore, those that do get blessed and enter into the joy of their master. Those who don't, and this kind of parallels with the, the 10 virgins, the, the virgins that have no oil. They just go, well, okay, I'm, I'm just going to, yeah, I believe that Jesus died on the cross, but I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm just going to sit here and sit in church and just kind of hope that everything works out fine. You see, that corresponds because the parable of the ten virgins is is um, controversial to, in, in some circles as to what it truly means. What I feel, and I think Scripture bears out, is pretty clear that there are um, five virgins that have the oil of the Holy Spirit and five that do not. Remember that they had lamps. We are the lamps. We see that in Revelation where we are now. We are the the light bearers, so we are the lamps, and we are to shine forth in the world. And there was five that had it, five that did not. And in the Jewish wedding feast, the bride was to wait for the bridegroom, never knowing when he would come. They were even to wait with their bridal gown on, knowing that at some point the wedding party is going to come by for her, pick her up, and take her to the wedding feast. And so she was to wait in expectation. I know he's coming. I know he's coming. I know he's coming. So the five that had the oil are the five that were themselves full of the Holy Spirit, knowing that they were part of the, they were the bride. They were, I mean, in a sense, they were being invited to the wedding feast, but there's a crossover here. As they go into the wedding feast, they are the bride. And so this is this beautiful story of, of God telling us to be ready, that he's going to come for us at any hour, and to make sure that we're saved. So you either have the oil or you don't have the oil. Those that don't have the oil, well, those are the apostate church. Those are people that are going to these churches we've talked about, where the pastor and all the leadership and all the people, they don't believe Jesus rose from the dead. They don't believe he's really the son of God. They don't believe that he has deity and that he is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. They believe oh, in all kinds of weird, goofy philosophies and stuff, but they just use the church and the Bible as a, I don't know, some kind of prop to have uh, communal services with other people for some communal purpose. I don't understand why they would even do it, but there are many, 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 many people that go to church week after week, that sit in the pews, that do not have the Holy Spirit, that are not saved. And Jesus is saying, make sure that you have the oil of the Holy Spirit in you. You can't share it. Something God gives you. And once you have it, it is in you. And it can never be taken away. 
So the parable of ten virgins is very, very important to understand. Charles Spurgeon now, the dross purged. And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them and I will say it is my people and they shall say the Lord is my God. Zechariah 13, 9. Grace transmutes us into precious metal and then the fire of the furnace follows as a necessary consequence. Do we start at this? Would we sooner be accounted worthless that we might enjoy repose like the stones of the field? This would be to choose the viler part. Like Esau, to take the pottage and give up the covenant position. No, Lord, we will gladly be cast into the furnace rather than be cast out from thy presence. The fire only refines. It does not destroy. We are to be brought through the fire, not left in it. The Lord values his people as silver, and therefore he is at pains to purge away the dross. If we are wise, we shall rather welcome the refining process than decline it. Our prayer will be that our alloy may be taken from us rather than that we should be withdrawn from the crucible. O Lord, thou triest us indeed. We are ready to melt under the fierceness of the flame. Still, this is thy way and thy way is the best. Sustain us under the trial and complete the process of our purifying, and we will be thine forever and ever. Well, I can't add anything to that. Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning you've given us, and thank you that as we see you, we walk through the scripture, God, and we look at these things, we marvel at your, your wisdom and your that the links you go to to try and explain to us how much you love us and how much you desire us to be with you. And we do know you're coming. We do know that we are to be ready. We do understand, God. All these things that are going on around us have been set in motion for a purpose. You desire to set us free from the bondage of this world. And you went to great lengths to set your people free in the time of Moses, to bring them into a relationship, to show them that you wanted to be the God of their salvation and the God that they could commune with. So we acknowledge, God, that this is something you've been doing throughout all history, and we desire to be a part of it. We desire to be your light bearers. We ask, God, that you would fill us to overflowing with your presence, that you give us the gifts that you want us to have so that we might be useful for your kingdom, And God, then give us the wisdom to put all that we have in practice. Guide us, show us, lead us by your Spirit. And in that, God, we want to see you use us to have other people brought into the kingdom. We thank you for the evangelism team, which will be going downtown tonight. May you bless them abundantly, richly, as they share your word with others. We thank you for those that are coming into church and uh, hearing your word and getting built up or being saved. What a joy that is. May you continue that. Continue, God, 
touching hearts and reaching them as we spend this time every single morning that you might bring the lost, the hurting, and the lonely, that they would come in and be able to commune with you and receive your manna every morning with us. So thank you for that. And we ask special prayers for what's going on with the relief effort, the rescue efforts over in Syria and Turkey as they are 24 hours a day trying to find those that are still alive. And as, as difficult and as painful as it is for those that are over there and for us thinking about this, God, we ask that you would keep those still alive that are there, that you would bring them out of the rubble today and that there is still time to, to reach those that are, that are still alive. So God, help them supernaturally no, bring them to those places where you, you know they're still alive and help them to be rescued. And then, Father, over everything, God, we want to pray for the salvation of, of those that are, are there in the land, knowing that this is part of prophecy. So we want you, God, we pray that you would be able to reach hearts during this whole thing where there's so much pain. We want to pray for different people that are going through medical issues right now, we want to pray for Julio recovering from his surgery on his arm. We want to pray for his salvation and also for his wife. Special prayer for, for him. Don't know what happened uh, on his arm, but we are praying that, that you completely heal that up. And want to pray also that for if it's Julio that has a heart problem, want to pray for him that he can get that heart problem dealt with and find out that if something can be treated medically. So bless him. Also our friend JD, who has been in the hospital, we pray he's out now that he's recovered. And we pray for those, anyone dealing with some chronic illnesses that are going on. Kevin and Lee dealing with some medical serious stuff, Brad, but, but stuff that you can heal. So we're trusting for healing for both of them, complete healing. And we pray for your continued healing upon anybody that's dealing with the cancer. And thanking you. That, uh, that you've kept Susie so strong over these years, such a testimony to so many people that are scared, going through difficult medical issues. God, God, may you continue to use her to be an example of what you can do to a person who faithfully is just trusting in you day after day, day after day, for 30 years with her cancer. But we thank you for that. We thank you that you can overcome, that, that cancer can be overcome. It can be dealt with. It can be treated. So we thank you for that. Thank you for the example. And many people that have gone through it and are now cancer-free or in remission, so many testimonies, we thank you for them and what you continue to do. So help us not fall into that fear, God, when we get these diagnoses, but to trust you. And we do continue to ask you, God, to just make yourself known to those that get these diseases, the people that we know that have medical issues that are that are having medical procedures, that you would use those to help them come to a clear knowledge of your love for them. And that this it's not about this world or these bodies. These bodies are perishing. They're wearing out. But you're coming to give us brand new, immortal, perfect, glorious bodies. So we thank you for the promise we have that still lies and waits for us in the future. Thank you, God. We praise you, and we thank you for this day in Jesus' name. Amen. That will do it for today, brothers and sisters. We will continue on tomorrow. 
keep updated on some of the things going on over the Middle East. I, they're in Turkey, they're in the Ukraine with the war. These are days that we got to be interceding and praying because things are really, really prophetic. Prophecies being fulfilled all over the place. So don't live in a bubble. Just keep and be praying for those that need our prayers, that are hurting. We want to see them saved. We want to see them come to the kingdom. And with that, be sure to share this format, Manna for Breakfast or the podcast, so that people can daily get the encouragement and hear the word of God and let the word of God dwell in them richly. This is what we all need. So God bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.